This episode is made possible by our sponsors, including our newest Proud Ram Nation podcast sponsor, North Star Liquor Superstore in Johnstown. We'll talk more about them shortly, but I also want to thank CSU Ram Zone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, Ginger and Baker, and Peterson Toyota for also making this possible. Peterson Toyota has served Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tenmouth for more than 50 years. When you visit the dealership, you'll receive first-class attention, whether it be a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. If your heart is set on a new Toyota, you may want to inquire about the 2024 Tacoma TRD Off-Road, which recently had its first official public reveal in Loveland. Call the dealership. Make sure you get on that list as Fort Collins and Northern Colorado residents are prioritized over all other customers. Whatever you're looking for, though, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the vehicle that is right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa with Mike Rowe. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk with Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins Coloradoan. We'll go through the Middle Tennessee game, which was a really nice victory. It's not going to raise a lot of eyebrows nationally, but for a program like CSU that has struggled mightily in these types of games in years past, for quite a few years now, to go on the road, especially after uh, an emotional loss in Boulder the week before, uh, you had a receiving core that was sick, the whole week, a couple guys that didn't even practice the entire week until the game. Um, you had Henry Blackburn, who was receiving death threats, probably not real emotionally right, you know, after something like that. And and quite frankly, the whole team probably down and out after a heartbreaking loss to, to see you. If they felt anything like I did after that game, it probably took them days to shake off. But they came to play, got off to a pretty decent start early in that game, and then uh, just hit a lull, probably midway, three-quarters of the way through the first quarter. All through the second quarter was terrible. Then you get Mo Kamara back in the second half. He made a difference on defense, and Braden Fowler-Nicolosi really kind of turned it on in the second half and just started peppering his weapons. So really nice performance to pull out a win there. They they sealed it late with a couple uh, late score on a on a great play by Braden Fowler-Nicolosi to Torrey Horton in the corner of the end zone, which was not really easy to see because the horrendous, horrendous uh, telecast that I cannot believe ESPN Plus put their name on. And then a couple plays later, the defense blows up. I believe it was newer Gatkuth who blew up a, a reverse by Middle Tennessee, caused a fumble, and there was Mo Kamara to, to return and take that into the end zone. So that pretty much put them in position to win that game. They had to hold on a little bit down the stretch, just like they did against CU, kind of a very similar situation, but really good win. So now we look ahead to Ag Day and Utah Tech coming in, and we'll talk about that with Kevin. All right, we want to welcome in Coloradoan CSU beat reporter Kevin Lytle. Kevin, always one of our favorite guys that we get on here. Always got great insights and uh I want to ask you, I know you you were very talkative after the game on Twitter and whatnot and, and read all your reports on in the Colorado, one, but just re- kind of recap your impressions of the team's performance and uh, the experience there in Murphy's Brewer. Yeah, definitely. You know, experience-wise, first, um, fun for me to get to go see Nashville. Had never been out there. Uh, Murfreesboro, you know, 
fine. Nothing special, nothing bad, really cool trip. I thought the CSU crowd was great. I, I thought that was really cool seeing. You know, it's always fun after, you know, team gets a, a road win in these kind of G5 type of environments because usually the fans can kind of gather around, you know, just outside the locker room and get to greet the players. And it's kind of a lot more personal feeling than, you know, you get at a lot of places. So, so I thought that was really cool. And then just the performance itself. I mean, obviously there were a lot of things CSU didn't do well, a lot of things that went against CSU, some really weird plays. Um, you know, I think over the last, you know, five, six years, that's a game CSU loses every time. Um, but they found a way this time. So I think that's encouraging if you're a Ram Ram fan and um, you know, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi turned on the second half. Obviously the skill guys are <laughs> Dallin Holker, Tory Horton are just incredible. So a lot of good pieces. I think uh, if you're a CSU fan, it was a good follow to the CU game. Obviously, the you know the performance at CU was was encouraging. The end result very disappointing. But to follow that with a eerily similar end game in Tennessee and, and finish it with a win, uh, I think you know that's got to be encouraging for CSU fans. I was begging that Patty wouldn't put it on the two yard line on that last. <laughs> book. I'm like anywhere but the two. <laughs> Someone said to me after the game, if he had put that on the two, I was just walking out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh man, it was crazy to see how those two games were aligning there at the end. Um, I yeah, I want to ask because you you did say uh, I saw that you made multiple mentions about the the size of the traveling party for the Rams. And I agree. I just, I love that feeling. I didn't get to go on this trip. I uh, was supposed to go and that we <coughs> story, but Mike got to go heard all about it. Sounded really fun. I do love that camaraderie you get from the, the traveling group of fans and how everyone kind of lingers outside the locker. This is a, it's a good deal, but uh, isn't it interesting though, as good as that trip was for Ram fans, we had to return tickets to, the CU game, which is, you know, 50 miles down the road. It's a little, I thought that was a little bit bizarre, but I think it also speaks to the fact that uh, it's pretty miserable going to Boulder. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Some of the, whatever you want to call it, concern about atmosphere. I think uh, you guys would know better. The price on those was pretty hefty too, I believe for the CU game. So I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. So 130 compared to 29 is a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you guys know, obviously there's always uh, that kind of one travel game a year. And I think, you know, the going to Nashville is pretty easily that. So I could also see some people that were, you know, flying out to Nashville a week later, like, okay, do I want to drop 130 on a ticket one week to then follow it with a plane ticket and all that jazz. So I feel like price and uh, atmosphere, if we want to call it that, of Boulder are probably the two factors of that. Yeah. You know, I, I want to make a comment. I mean, you talked about how personal it was uh, after the game. And, and, you know, I got to talk to you for a bit. I went to Toledo two years ago and kind of tried to do the same thing. Like, you know, all the all the fans went around on the, that back entrance and, and the team was coming out. And completely different feel from this team versus that team two years ago. I mean, Adazio, you know, he had that mean mug look on his face and put chest puffed out, walking through to the buses and didn't pay attention to anybody. The players just followed right behind him. They got on the bus and they took off. It was awesome. The players talking to their families, to the fans, the coaches talking to their fans and family. Joe Parker's there. I mean, 
you're you're right. It was very intimate and it was very personal. And it was just great seeing our team and our fans interacting that way. And, and it's something that gets me excited as, as a fan, as, you know, as a parent, seeing the players interacting with the little kids um, during, uh, during halftime, during the games, you know, after the game. And it makes you really want to get behind this team. And that's something that, you know, we haven't had, you know, for a few years. So I'm excited what's what we have going forward. Hey, uh, one interesting thing about the, I guess the start of the season in three games, we've had four non-offensive scores, which is pretty, pretty interesting. That matches the total number from the previous two seasons combined. But I was reading how you said you spotted Giles Pula going into the game. I don't know how you did that, but it seems like if you're uh Middle Tennessee, there should be a guy on that staff that's probably his job is to spot things like that. But uh, yeah, what? So you, so you actually did see him trotting on? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. You know, it's I I not gonna sit here and claim like every time they go out, I'm you know counting the numbers and seeing who's out there and everything. I don't know. It just for every reason just stood out of like, hey, that's Giles Pooler. And my first thought, you know, to be honest, is like, oh, I wonder if Patty Turner, you know, is hurt or something. Uh, but then you all start thinking, hmm, wonder, you know, I wonder if something's up here. And it's funny because the CSU guys who are there as well, uh, you know, Mike Brohard, Kyle Neves and stuff, they noticed it too as well. So, yeah, we, you know, talking after game is kind of like, yeah, if we all notice it, you know, we're, we're not coaches, you know, I didn't mill Tennessee, although to be fair, they did basically blow it up. Giles just made a really nice ass under pressure to get it to Holker, but I don't know. It was one of those Ram ones as, as they're lining up. I thought, huh, Giles out there is different. Right. Well, that uh, that could have ended a lot differently because he was nearly tackled and then it was nearly pick sixed. But yep. somehow uh, the guy was caught flat footed, I think, because he had like a one inch vert for that ball <laughs> and it ended up in Holker's hand. So that that was uh, could have been like a turning point for this season. Quite Huge honestly. turn. Yeah. Huge turn. Mike. Sorry, we're having technical difficulties here my I apologies see, i see you struggling and it yeah. sounds like you've got like change rattling around in your pocket every time you talk or something but right i don't i don't know what's going on so my apologies I, I, we were talking about this a little bit off air but what have you seen in the change in the program uh since bfn since Braden stepped in to the qb1 role yeah it's uh i mean it's dramatic obviously in pure stats and yardage and kind of how the games are, are being played. It's a big difference. I think there's no doubt players respond really well to the Braden Fowler, Nicolosi. And, um, you know, when the offense, you know, that game one, the struggles, anyone on offense is going to be frustrated with how that's happening. You know, everyone, we all knew there's too much skill for that to be a, you know, no production type of offense. So players have responded really well to Braden Fowler, Nick Closey. And then the thing that I don't want to say it's been lost, but maybe not talked about as much is at the same time, you know, Jay Norvell, everyone was paying attention to the sunglasses comment. The most important comment he said that week leading up to CU was basically multiple. And he said it multiple times he said, you know, to Brian Roth on the coaches show, he said to us, you know, in the press conference of pretty much we're taking the, you know, the training wheels off, like it's time to go. And that's what we've seen since. I mean, trick plays, more aggressive play calling, you know, more aggressive decision making from the quarterback position. So it's all gone hand in hand. And obviously, uh, it responds well 
or, you know, everyone has responded well to it. Um, players, like I say, seem to really rally around BFN. So it's all come together and, you know, it looks like an air raid now. Did you hear about any, I don't know if I would call it team dissension, but sort of a surge where players were kind of pushing for a change at quarterback? A little bit. You know, I, know, I didn't hear, you know, any like hard, you know, details of mutiny or anything like that. But like I say, 13 games, you know, basically under Norvell here and the offense had never got going, you know, never hit 20 points. So there was frustration uh, at, you know, a lot of that, how it was happening. So, yeah, I think there's no doubt there was, you know, push for some change that can come in different ways. But, but yeah, like I say, players definitely respond well to Brayton. So, you know, it it was a popular move. Well, things can change so fast uh, week to week in college football. You never know what can happen with Brayden. But um, I did hear you on the Brady Hall show last week and you were going through your rapid fire questions. And he asked if Brady Hall would be on the roster next year. And your response was no. You just think the maybe the writing is on the wall for him. He he's already transferred once. Right. So what would that mean for him? Just kind of, I guess, elaborate on those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah, obviously those were kind of quick response questions. And yeah, my gut is that no next year, Clay wouldn't be on the roster because right now Braden has taken hold of that spot. Obviously Jackson Brousseau, a true freshman is back there and, you know, they've really liked what he's done. You know, you have another highly touted guy in Darius Curry uh, verbally committed right now. So, you know, the, the nature of the quarterback position, only one can play. Um, but logistically, yeah, it is tough for Clay because he's tr- transferred once and he's used his red shirt. Um, so his options, you know, as far as moving are pretty limited. There's, you know, the drop down uh, ability. There's the graduate ability. I don't know. You know, obviously, I don't know his exact coursework, if, if that's a thing that would even be possible within a year. But like you say, things can change really quick, too, like. You know, obviously you don't wish ill on anyone, but it's football and injury could happen. And, you know, you never know. Clay comes back and, you know, plays much better and, and takes a hold of the job again. You know, so much can change so quickly. I don't think any of us expected you know, after three games to be talking about, you know, BFN, you know, being in control of this offense. So things can change quickly. If, if it continues in this trend, I can't really see Clay being back, you know, in a year. But again, it, it can change really fast. If, and this is a big if, because once we haven't even beat an FCS team, much less blown <laughs> one out in years. So, uh, but if things go well Saturday and we do build a nice lead, would the would they pull BFN and go to Clay? Would they go to Jackson Brousseau? What do you think uh, is in store there if that scenario played out? Yeah, if this game does go lopsided, I think there are a few different scenarios there. You know, on the one hand, you could just ride BFN for a long time because, yeah, he's played well, but he's still a guy with very few reps. So maybe you just want to get him as many as you can. You could go to Millen for kind of a get right game, if you will, you know, see if he can build some confidence. I think the idea of Brousseau is very real. They definitely like him. This may be, you know, again, who knows what will happen, but maybe the only chance to get him some reps and he would still be able to redshirt. So it's not like you're burning a redshirt. So I could see that. And shoot, I could see a way they just kind of rotate. You know, let's say it's 35 nothing at half and they want to just kind of cruise through in the second half. I could see a way, you know, give Millen a couple series, give Brousseau a couple series, maybe throw Giles Pooler you know, a little bit too, you know, the local kid who, who obviously made a huge play. So I think there are a lot of different ways it could go. That honestly is 
one of my number one things I'm intrigued about Saturday is uh, if it turns lopsided, what do they do with that QB rotation? Um, I will say Clay has been running twos in practices and all that. So, you know, it certainly appears that, you know, if there were to be a situation where you need to go, you know, to a backup, it's, it's Clay right now. Um, but if it's a lopsided game Saturday, I'm pretty intrigued to see what they do. What's uh, what is one thing I guess that has been most impressive to you from this team so far, and maybe maybe one thing that you've been most disappointed in? Dallin Holker. I mean, I knew he'd be good and a important weapon, but he's succeeded that. Um, he's he's been incredible, and then you know I will say special teams too, like. I, Patty didn't have the best game Saturday, but overall he's been good. I know they entered the game 25th in the nation net punting. Um, I think that dropped a little bit, but he's been pretty good. They had the kick return touchdown. They had the trick play touchdown. Um, that's turned around nicely. You know, amazing what can happen when you have a special teams coach. Hmm. And then not a huge negative because I think you know they've done a lot of good things, but the defense is giving up more yards than I expected. Um, they are still making impact plays. Obviously, there was the the fumble touchdown. Uh, there are you know a good number of sacks, and you know to be fair, they've faced you know shoot you could argue the three best offenses they'll see all year. Certainly, two two of the best they'll see all year in Washington State and CU. Um, so I think those numbers will improve, but um, there have just been too many kind of wide open spaces for for people to run in. So we're three games in. You know, what, what are your thoughts looking back at last year, looking back through these first three games on the, our offensive line? Oh, I think they've improved so much. I know the run game still hasn't been very good. You know, it's like 2.8 yards a carry or something like that. But again, part of that's your opponent. Part of that's game situation. You know, Washington State, they weren't going to be able to run much because they were down right away. But they're pass blocking really well. I mean, you, know, you guys remember last year, pretty much every snap, you're almost cringing, like wondering how quickly the quarterback's going to be under pressure. And that's not really the case this year. Both Millen and, and BFN have been pretty comfortable back there. So I think they've been, you know, good pass blocking, run blocking. I think they'll improve as, as they, you know, time wears on. Uh, but overall, I think the difference has been huge. How about our running backs? Yeah, they're tough. I mean, you know, again, part of a game situation, it hasn't been impressive. I, you know, Kobe Johnson did have the kick return touchdown, which kind of showed his explosiveness. Um, and now they're both battling injury. So it's kind of hard to put a, you know, much of anything, you know, analysis on them because there just hasn't been much. It needs to be better, you know, if you want to have a really good season. Um, but, you know, it's just been meh, fine, whatever. So you tweeted out today, Avery's going to be gone for a few games. Uh, Kobe's day to day. So we're looking at Van and uh, Damian Henderson. Um, what do you What do you have on them from what you saw on the screen with, with Van and, and what you've seen in, in practice with uh, with all of them these last like five or six weeks? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if Kobe plays. I think again, there's a game you probably shouldn't need him. So see if you can rest him. Van is a guy, you know, he, he's almost your pro typical walk on like the dude will do anything. You know, Jay Norvell said that this week, you know, they could ask him to do just about anything and he'd do it. Yeah. You know, probably doesn't have the, the overall explosiveness, you know, maybe a, as some top ranked recruits or anything like that, but he's reliable. He's durable. 
strong kid runs really, really hard. Um, you know, I think he'll be fine. You know, the reason he came in in place of those injured guys last week is because they trust that he would take care of the ball. Um, so that's obviously hugely important. Damien, yeah, I think there's going to be a chance for Damien Henderson really to, you know, have his first chance and impact. Um, I think they'll get him a decent number of carries because, again, you're you're still in that funky debate time of do you redshirt a kid, do you play him, but you know you're going to play him this week, so you might as well give him some carries, see how he handles it. He's a physical runner, um, does a, you know has the ability to do a lot of things well, but he's also a true freshman. You know, pass protecting is almost always a question mark with those guys. Uh, just because they haven't seen a lot of these various schemes and whatnot. Um, but I think we'll see a good bit of him just to to see what he's got. And then we'll probably see some KJ Edwards too, Juco transfer that, you know, adds some depth. But um, I think Damien is probably the guy most people are most intrigued by. But I, I do think, you know, if Van Shield starts, that's a pretty cool story. You know, Colorado kid started at Pueblo, came up to CSU to walk on. He was the de facto starter in spring just because of injury, suspension, and newcomers not here. He was kind of the only guy. And, man, he took advantage, and now it's going to pay off for him in the fall. Only a couple weeks, though, for – That's what Jay said today. I mean, I think most everyone was concerned that that was a very significant injury. Uh, But Norvell said today, MCL injury, he said a few weeks. So, um, obviously, those those type of things can be a little variable, but – it doesn't sound right now like it's a season type thing, which I think was the worry. Yeah, he wasn't putting any weight on it coming off the field. That's, yeah. yeah, and he but, looked like I always. You can always tell player reactions when they're on the the floor. Um, he looked very upset, which you know is always concerning. So hopefully, it is uh, just a few week type of injury. You just commented on the defense when when Joel asked about something that's disappointed you so far. Um, what do you think about our DBs coming in? That was going to be one of our strengths and you think it's more of our opponents that we faced or is there just something that's not clicking that you're seeing? I think maybe a bit both. I mean, like certainly at Washington state, there were some clear miscommunications where guys were just running open. So either guys were blowing assignments or they were uh, miscommunicating on who was supposed to be where that being said, Washington state, I tried to tell everyone at the time, that's a darn good football team. And we're seeing that. So, you know, give them some crap for exposing things too. Likewise, CU, uh, you know, their, their D line isn't very good and CSU exposed or O line. I mean, uh, and CSU exposed that, but their skill guys are good. Um, and they, you know, they made some things happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the secondary needs to be a little bit better, you know, um, in every way, there have been guys running free. There have been missed opportunities, I and mean, there's the should have been pick six against Middle Tennessee that was basically dropped, turned into a first down, and then a field goal later in the drive. So that's a a ten point swing right there. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a group. You know, you're you're still trying to figure out the second corner. Um, it's kind of gone from Dom Jones to Ron Harge. We'll see who will be this week. Obviously, you know, Harge did have a, a fumble pickup return for a touchdown, so that's not all bad but but yeah that secondary does need to improve but again as you head into mountain west play those offenses in the mountain west for the most part aren't juggernauts so i think we're really going to see this d start to make moves well to mike's point and to your point what we faced three offenses with air raid principles yeah. to it and we're going to yeah. face another one saturday yeah right? utah tech yeah you know, they're obviously a different level of it but yeah it is 
like I said, you know, I think there's an argument that the the three they face will be three of the best offenses they play all season. And certainly Washington State's going to be, you know, probably at best. Cam Ward is is a baller. What are our goals for Saturday? Uh, I think CS. I'll be intrigued if they come out, you know, with that energy and kind of do, you know, step on the throat, finish this game early. Um, you would like to do that, be able to have guys like Tory Horton, Dallin Holker, you know, spend a lot of time, uh, you know, with their with their hands in their shoulder pads because they're sitting on the bench because they, you know, job is done. You know, Mo Kamara, if you can get him off the field. So I think you need to blow this team out early, uh, get some guys rested, and then in turn get a lot of young guys some reps. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, try and get some O-linemen, you know, the second unit rolled in, get them some game time, uh, both, you know, freshmen, you know, like a Tanner Morley type, and also like a Brian Crespo Juarez who's coming back from injury. If you can help him get some game time to feel more comfortable on that knee, things like that. Uh, we already talked to the running backs. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I think you need this to be a mature performance where you don't don't play with your food. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so thoughts heading into Mountain West play after this game. I, you know, we won't talk to you next week. So just kind of what are your thoughts? The the Mountain West is is gettable. I think Fresno is very good and all credit to them. I was wondering how they would, um, you know, kind of. Re- reload after Jake Hayner and they've, they've cruised right along. Air Force is Air Force. So they're the same as always. They look really good. Um, you know, there are a lot of, I think, good teams, but I think there are also teams that can be beat. Uh, you know, CSU can start with a win in Logan and that's a funky team. I don't know how to evaluate Utah State right now because of their schedule. But if you could win that and have that, you know, three game win streak heading into Boise, I mean, whew. That there would be a lot of energy around that, but if you look at CSU, doesn't have to play Fresno State, um, so that's a positive. And you look at most other Mountain West games, you could see how it could be a very tough game, but you could also see how it could be a winnable game. So, um, you know, for a program that seems to finally be turning a corner, this would be a good time to go get some Mountain West wins. I think uh, if I remember correctly, you were predicting around five wins this year, but. Obviously, you could exceed that if things go your way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are I, I you... said I said six and six, six and six. Okay, there you go. Well, yep, so yep. do you th- still think that's what it's looking like? You feel good about that? Yep, yep. I I've been feeling fine on that. Um, it's funny, you know. I do those mailbags every now and then. I think each time I've I did one um, after Washington State and after CU, and each time I got a oh, you want to reconsider that? I'm like, nope. I'm still feeling good. Six and six. I was thinking two and two out of non-conference play, um, so that's where they should be. So yeah, I st- I feel decent six and six. I could see you know if things don't go well, it backsliding a little bit. I could also see a way this team, like I said, because the Mount West you know is gettable. I could see it you know rising, but six feels pretty reasonable right now to me. All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about our newest Ram Nation podcast sponsor, North Star Liquor Superstore. Located on Thompson Parkway in Johnstown, right across from the roundabout from Shields. They have the largest selection of beer, wine, spirits, and cigars. They've regularly got great specials going on, including right now, they're 15% off when you buy three bottles of wine or more. You can always find their specials online, along with new arrivals, their staff picks, tasting information at northstarliquorstore.com. 
Check out their huge selection in-store or online for delivery or curbside pickup. Stock up for your Ag Day tailgate this Saturday by stopping into North Star Liquor Superstore, proud supporter of the Ram Nation podcast. Also, you guys know how much we love Ginger and Baker. With their two great restaurants and awesome event spaces, the Cash Restaurant features great wines, steaks, and chops, while the Cafe Restaurant has all my personal comfort food favorites. And of course, they got great events, such as the upcoming Stranahan's Colorado Whiskey Pairing Dinner on October 4th. That's in the wine cellar. There you will have a full selection of Stranahan's whiskey, including the rare Mountain Angel 10-year American Single Malt Whiskey. All those whiskeys will be paired with a fabulous multi-course dinner, not to mention a variety of fun cooking classes that they have each and every month. Check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list of events. This place is so amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, let's switch it up a bit. This week was the first day of basketball practice. I know you were there. Uh, yeah. What are some of your thoughts on, on what you saw from this team? Length, athleticism, um, depth way up from last year, all of that across the board. Um, you just have more guys that can do more things. Um, Zay is Zay. We don't even need to talk about him. We know exactly what he is. You know, just you know, arguably one of the best players in CSU history. Uh, I'm really interested to see what Neek Clifford does, um, kind of with a fresh start and with a pass-first point guard. Um, he's a guy that has all the potential in the world. I, I think he has a chance to to be a good player. Joel Scott is just a bear. He is a a well-built, I mean, he is strong. So he'll help um, take some of the defensive and rebounding load off of Cartier because obviously Cartier can score at an extremely efficient rate, but he struggles you know, defensively and in those rebounding battles. So Joel Scott will take some of that load off. Um, Rashawn Mbemba, I swear, he looks like a Roddy clone. Like I keep trying to not put the Roddy tag on him, but literal just like how he looks, the haircut, uh, you know, kind of the thin beard, like it all looks like Roddy. I said to Nico, I was like, this is weird. He's like, yeah, you kind of do a double take. <laughs> so definitely not saying he's going to be Roddy as a, as a player. Certainly yet, you know, that's too much pressure put on the kid, but it is funny how similar he looks. Um, let's see, Kyan Evans, the, the young guard. Um, they're excited about him. He had a great summer. Uh, Tavy Jackson's, you know, he had uh, knee surgery, I think it was. So he's still getting back, but you should have more depth and versatility at the guard position. And then you just, you know, frankly, you have to figure out how minutes are split out. You know, Jalen Lake, you know, Javante Johnson, Neek Clifford, um, those guys all play similar positions and have started in the past, but obviously not all of them will. Uh, but yeah, like I say, overall, the, the main takeaway is just length athleticism is, is significantly up. You, you just mentioned Neek, um, any other potential breakout players? Um, he's definitely one. I'm intrigued by Kyle Evans. Uh, he's added some weight this offseason. He was starting to play well last year. Uh, and then he had the hand, thumb, whatever, wrist, whatever it was, injury. But he's he's healthy now. He's another guy, a lot of potential, you know, long wingspan. He can jump. He's a good passer as a big man. So, you know, he'll be coming off the bench. But I think he's a guy that, um, you know, will probably have, a bigger impact than, than maybe people realize. How about Josiah? We didn't get to see. Oh yeah. 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 Thanks for mentioning him. I, I forgot to mention him. He's a guy that, yeah, was supposed to be a big part of the plans last year and then illness and everything. He basically never got going, but he's a guy that 
has a long history as a really good three point shooter, and he's a you know strong guard that should be able to to defend at a high level those you know um, perimeter type players, which again is some CSU struggled with last year. You know, Jalen Lake was kind of the only good perimeter defender last year. And now they should have a few guys that can fill that role. So, so yeah, Josiah's uh, basically being back uh, should be really helpful. And it, it seems like he, he's good to go and had a good summer. So knock on wood, hopefully, you know, just for the kids personally, hopefully he can have a nice season. What do you think? Um, is this a top tier of the Mountain West kind of team, a NCAA type team, NIT? Yeah, it you know, it's it's hard to tell this early so many new pieces, but I think it'd be disappointing if this team isn't in contention, uh, you know, in February and March to be making, you know, the postseason. I think the Mountain West has a chance to be, you know, maybe a four bid league. Um, I think CSU likewise has a chance to be in that upper echelon. Uh, you know, if guys like, you know, the guys I mentioned like Neek and Joel, the additions can kind of fill those roles that, that they're counted on. So I think this has a chance to be a pretty good team. It doesn't hurt when you have the best player in the league. That gives you all the hope in the world when you got Isaiah back for sure. So I know you only got a few more minutes here. Wanted to switch gears again on you a little bit, but what uh, have you heard anything new relating to the two pack and the Mount West (laughs) and what might happen there? Not really right now. It's, it feels like it's in a legal holding pattern as the Tupac um, figures out what matter or, you know, what can be done with all that legal stuff. Obviously Washington state, Oregon state basically are suing the Mount or the PAC 12 uh, and trying to figure out who has the rights to what, what those rights look like, you know, cause it's kind of twofold. There's the, uh, you know, all the money that's been made from NCAA tournament shares and all that type of stuff. But there are also some liabilities, you know, the Comcast thing and everything. So who who would be owed what and who would you know hold that burden once they figure that out? I saw a story, I think it was on ESPN last week, uh, where the Washington State, I think his president said they think within a month they'll learn some of that. But right now it's kind of I'm kind of wondering if um those two are kind of gonna go alone for a year or so because there is a moratorium where you know, they're allowed to be just a two-team conference for a couple of years. Uh, Joe Parker kind of hinted, not even hinted, he said, you know, there's been talk of a scheduling alliance. So I could see something like that where they kind of schedule in Washington State and Oregon State as pseudo parts of the Mountain West next year to get them, you know, the games, but they're not officially in it. Hmm. Um, because obviously you have to figure those 24 schedules out pretty darn quick and then figure out the rest kind of as we, as we move. I think everyone read that relegation promotion um, idea, which super fascinating. I appreciate the outside the box thinking, you know, you guys know I'm a big soccer guy, so that's intriguing to me, but I think there are just too many hurdles for that to actually happen uh, to me, politics and money and play. But, but right now it's just a holding pattern really as Oregon state, Washington state figure out all the legal side of where, you know, where they can and can't exist. Yeah, I would love to see it myself. I think it would be amazing. It would, it would be just put the this whole league into a different light and just bring extra eyeballs. You wonder if it could have extra value with 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 uh, media contracts, but I hope they could figure something like that out. That would be awesome. Um, to, to me, the dream the dream is add Oregon State, Washington State, and then swoop in on Gonzaga, St. Mary's for basketball. Yeah. 
And obviously Gloria has, has those relationships still probably a long shot, but Hey, now's the time to, to take those long shots, right? No doubt. No doubt. Hey, uh, last thing for me as a, uh, as a media guy, what did you think of the piling on of the national media and even some local media, the guy on channel seven on Henry. And I just don't understand how you could be so unprofessional in, in some of your comments. What'd you think of all that? Yeah, I, you know, not gonna lie, I was I was frustrated by a lot of um, the quote unquote media performance, if you will, around the showdown. Um, yeah, just a lot of not not telling it, you know, how it is, and you know, s- sort of taking the dramatic angles. I mean, I think it's you know what I tried to do at least. You know, it's more than fair to say you know that the Henry Blackburn hit wasn't a good hit, but the Shiloh or the Shadur Sanders eye poke wasn't a good thing either. Like. You know, you can kind of just point things out without making it super dramatic. And uh, like you say, there was some of the piling on and um, some cheerleading going on, things like that. You know, it's disappointing and frustrating because, you know, especially in today's day and age, it, um, you know, one person's actions can can cast a, a wide net for the public on the quote unquote media. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it can be frustrating to see some of those things that certainly aren't how I would have done it. And, yeah, some odd analysis is I'll, I'll call it of of things uh, you know about a program that you know I'm, I'll be frank, no one else uh, is really covering. You know, we're we're the only ones there every day. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of those other ones that tried to jump in and say what Colorado State is or isn't, you know, that's uh, kind of far fetched for me. Considering that, you know, I don't see them around. How's uh, Henry doing, by the way? I know he hasn't done any official interviews with the media. Have you yeah. talked to him or anything? Yeah, he, he hasn't hasn't talked publicly. Obviously, we've asked, and obviously it's fair enough. He shouldn't really have to if he doesn't want to, you know, talk about that, you know, death threats <laughs> directed at him and his family. I've heard he's he's doing probably as well as you can hope in the given situation. I think it helped last week when Travis Hunter and, and Deion Sanders both kind of, uh, you know, calm things and said, Hey, you know, it's football. It's fine. Stuff happens in football. You know, it shouldn't go beyond that. So I think that hopefully helped both calm things and hopefully helped give him a little bit more peace of mind. And, and yeah, he, he seems to be doing like say as, as well as can hope right now, uh, given everything going on. And it seems like it's, it's finally calming down. I know there's still work behind the scenes to try and uh, have some accountability for what happened there, but a pretty just terrible situation. I mean, that, that was disgusting. Well, last question. I'm just curious. I mean, I saw some blowback on Twitter yesterday, but why? Why don't doesn't Colorado and give away its news covers for free? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I try and not be like too sassy or mean, but you know, when people want you know clap, you know, basically why don't why don't I get everything for free? I have to clap back a little bit, but no, I mean, I I uh, for whatever reason. Um, news coverage is something that people just think should be free, even though they don't expect everything else in their life to be free. You know, I try and, you know, we commit resources. We're, you know, we're the only ones that traveled all the road games. You know, I just lit, literally yesterday booked flights to Kansas City for the men's basketball tournament and then from Kansas City to Hawaii for the football game. So, oh, wow. um, you know, the, those take resources. And, you know, I hope that I provide stuff of value for the subscribers from those trips. You know, I try and, yeah, you know, make sure I'm getting stuff that that is exclusive to to people that are paying for that. So yeah, I um I appreciate the support from all the people that do. And hey, you know, if you don't want to subscribe, that's totally fair. I don't feel 
or understand why you feel the need to tell me, you know, it's stupid to ask you know, that, that we want people to subscribe, but anyone that does, I know, I know you guys do. I know a lot of the people that listen to this do, and um, I really appreciate it. And, you know, promise that I'll keep working my butt off to try and provide stuff of value for you folks. So, so yeah, I got a little snarky there on Twitter, but sometimes it's deserved. <laughs> you know, it is. Well, we appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate all your coverage and and for always joining us. It's always great to talk to you, pal. Always great to see you guys. And and Mike is good to see you out in Tennessee. Sorry, I missed the tailgate. I'm pretty sure your cohort gave me bad directions. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Aaron, Aaron was the one that was really upset. So I figured I'd run into you at some point. I'll make a I'll, I'll have to swing by the Ag Day tailgate and say hi. All right. Sounds Please good. Do. All right, Kevin. Great seeing you guys. Thanks for having me. You too. All right. Great stuff from Kevin. As always, uh, before we go, I wanted to, Michael, ask you, how was your trip to Tennessee? Tell us some of the highlights and uh, tell us about your experience. Dude, it, it was awesome. Uh, whole family went. First time we went to Nashville. We're supposed to go in 2020 for the Vandy game. Obviously, COVID uh, changed those plans. So we went out there, uh, got in late Wednesday night. And if you're not planning on going to the Vandy game in, what is that, in 25? Right? Yeah, 25, 2025, then you should. It was such an, it was, it was just such an amazing experience. I am not a country fan at all. Um, you like Jason I love, Aldean, I, I know. Well, I, I mean, other than Jason Aldean, <laughs> other than that. Uh, but it, it was, it was so cool. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I really appreciate like late seventies, early, early eighties country. Cause that's what my dad listened to. And just so many memories of just riding around out in the country on the farm with him listening to that. And so, so I looked up the, the family friendly, uh, kind of local honky tonks and it's crazy. Like one block away from, from the rhinestone jeans that, that Joel enjoys wearing those hockey <laughs> tonks, those clubs just down the street, one block is like, that's considered the local places. And we went to Robert's Western where, and, you know, we walk in and, and some, and it's all just local bands. And this female singer is just belting out Patsy Cline. And just, if you didn't know that she was singing, you would have thought that it was the jukebox that was playing. You know, and there I had fried bologna sandwiches. Just freaking amazing. $6 got you a fried bologna sandwich, a PBR, a moon pie, and and chips. And if you needed to, you could upgrade it to fries. And, uh, I mean, it was just from there, we went to Tootsie's, which is just was two doors down. That was a little bit more, you know, woohoo girls, bachelorette party stuff. Um, but they have three levels. Again, like lower level was was kind of newer country. Mid level was like 80s country. And the upper level was, or sorry, was like 90s country, Garth Brooks style. And, and then up top was, was kind of that 80s. And it was just, I mean, it was awesome. You know, the alumni event was at a, a brewery. Awesome job by Ashley, who's, who's the head of the Nashville Ram Network. She just killed it. The brewery was awesome. Great people. Had some awesome conversation. Murfreesboro, just 30, 30 minutes away. We went there on Friday. Quiet town. It was, it was cool. Again, awesome alumni event at a, at a great brewery. 
But the thing about this whole week, weekend, this whole trip, is so many people came to talk to me about CSU. Not CSU fans, just random people at on the street, in the bars, in the honky tonks, just coming up and I watched y'all's game last week and was really pulling for you. There's so many people that were, just said, we were hoping you were going to win, that we were cheering for you the whole time. Only got one jackass that yelled Coach Prime as he walked into Jason Aldean's place. Kind of tells <laughs> you that clientele. But uh, but everybody was Nothing was wrong just, with Jason Aldean. Simmer down. Everyone was so excited about CSU. And then when we got to Murfreesboro, I mean, one was like, y'all, y'all are going to play fair this time, right? <laughs> and I was like, I hope not. I was like, I hope not. I hope we keep hitting them hard like we did last week. And and even on Sunday, uh, went to the Nashville Sounds, their AAA team of the Brewers. And uh, a couple people, you know, stopped us and were like, hey, great game last night. Uh, one was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a MTSU season ticket holder. You, you all played great. It's great watching you play. Um, good luck the rest of the season. I've never had this on an away trip where random people wanted to talk CSU football. So, hey, Coach Prime, thank you. You know, <laughs> Mr. Sanders, I appreciate uh, getting those eyeballs on us. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a huge stepping stone for CSU this season. And, you know, I'm excited about Saturday. I'm excited about Mountain West play, especially after what Kevin just shared with us. Yeah, I, I think obviously you you better win Saturday. And then if you can go in and, and win a game in Logan, which will be harder than you think, but uh, this team looks beatable. They don't look like they've been as good as they've been recently. And, man, if you go into that Boise State game three and two, that would be a really fun game day <laughs> with a lot of – a lot of energy for sure. And then uh what David Red Dirt hosted a little tailgate for you as well. Yeah, he, I think that's the coolest thing. Georgia fan by heart, but somehow adopted the, the Rams and comes out for games, he goes on the road for games, and it's so cool. Yeah, he, he you know, he him and his uh I'll just say son-in-law, his girlfriend's his girlfriend's son. They uh yeah, they drove out and he he had gotten a hold of or posted posted something, and I was like that he was already there. That he that I think they got there on Wednesday or Thursday, and I was like, hey, man, we got an alumni event Friday night at Mayday Brewing, and and they came talked to people, yeah. and he he was there Friday night, and, and so Christy Bolander told him uh, where where the alumni tailgate was going to be, and man, he <laughs> he he posted, and he's like, I'm here. It's eleven o'clock in the morning. I'm here six hours early. And, That's and, awesome, dude. He, he got he got a bunch of sandwiches and, and had beers. He had whiskey and and chips and so yeah, it was it was great. Aaron Harris, his crew came over and we came over and you know I posted on on the message board and text everybody that I knew where we were at. And dude, it was awesome. It was a great time, perfect location and. And right, ac right across the uh, parking lot from the alumni. So, David, Red Dirt, thank you for being such a gracious host. And look forward to doing it with you again. Props to Red Dirt, man. Uh, all right, so quickly, what, uh, what's on tap for Saturday and uh, the Ag Day tailgate? Dude, we got, we got Nacho Bar. Uh, Nacho yeah. Bar, love it. 
full court nachos. Oh boy. <laughs> so he's gonna be can, smelling for a month. Right? You and Maddie, you and Maddie <laughs> can have five pounds of pork pulled pork. No, nachos. no, no pork rinds. Please no pork rinds. Pork pulled pork's enough. <laughs> and then and then we'll have uh, buffalo chicken for nachos. That's something we something I have in Belize. Belize it. Uh that's just awesome. So we'll yeah, we'll have we'll have the beers, we'll have nachos set up. So if you if you need a place to go, look us up. You know, everyone's welcome. Again, my only rule is just don't be a douchebag. More more so than Joel and I anyway. <laughs> right right on the intramural fields next to the bathroom complex there, right next to the alumni association tailgate and just across from Ramtown. It's a great spot. It's right where the bus drops off the team for the Ram Walk. So come over and, and hang out with us for a bit. All right. Well, that's all we got for uh, this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Kevin Lytle. Thanks to Michael. And uh, let's go two and two. We say go Rams. Go Rams.